Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Capital Hacking with Josh and Eric. This is the most important thing you can listen to today. On today's episode of Capital Hacking. There's no skill greater in life than capital raising. No other skill compares because the way you can leverage your time as a capital raiser is insanity compared to anything else. Capital raisers get paid better than rock stars. Capital raising is the alpha skill of the world. I have a dream. With great power comes great responsibility. I can do this all day. Shit, don't get scared now. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Send you out a story out of nowhere. It's in the home. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Welcome back to Capital Hacking. Oh, hello. This is Josh, and that's Eric Cabral over there. We are here to uh, kick off a show. Now, we're in the studio today. That's why the mics are so awesome. But, and Eric, we were not in the studio when we recorded this next show. Right. We we, we created an amazing mo- a mobile Capital Hacking studio in Nashville, Tennessee at the Bigger Pockets Conference. And no, so we did. Fun. A lot of people were talking about it. Seriously, it was legit. Yeah. Yeah. It had its own... Room. We had lights and mics and cameras. It was it was legit. And everybody that stepped into our suite, Josh McCallan got a suite for us, which only makes sense because you don't want to ask people to come to a, a bedroom. A bedroom. So exactly. <laughs> that's all the inside baseball <laughs> we can handle right now. So we got Neil Bawa coming up on this episode. And Neil was a fast friend. It took two days. And now I feel like I know Neil very well. He's invited you and all of the Podmaxers yeah. out to the West Coast. Right, Neil? We'll be out there soon. We'll be out in L.A. soon, yes. But Neil Bawa, here's why we like him. The guy puts his money where his mouth is, and his whole program is extremely generous education. That's how he attracts good people into his network by giving value first. So the first incredible resource he's going to tell you about is Multifamily U. Wait till you hear about it. And, of course, the hugely popular Grow Capitus, which is his, his syndication company. So you're going to have a great time getting to know Neil. Going to learn a ton. Here comes Neil Bawa. Welcome back. This is Josh McCowan, the host of Capital Hacking. So happy to be on assignment. We're on assignment, right, Eric? Absolutely. What I like to call Capital Hacking X or assignment because this is an extension <laughs> of what we're doing. You don't even like to hear that. <laughs> Eric, it's all about branding. I'm always like repositioning and He always wants things, to make so, the yeah. expression sexier. So yes. we are at the Bigger Pockets Conference within another another um, field trip of Capital Hackers. Yes, yes. We loved what we were doing so much on the road at the Real Estate Guys Radio syndic- Secret Syndication that we wanted to continue doing it because we had this trip coming. Well, and this is where it gets exciting. By the way, Justin gets to be on Capital Hacking Next because he's with us as one of the best Capital Hacking team members. I'm Welcome back. to the show, Justin. I'm back. Welcome, Justin. So excited to be here, guys. Love co-hosting with you guys. You know, it's always fun. And I'm really excited about the guests that we're Amen, bringing in. Amen, brother. We had a great, great conversation yesterday, and I'm so excited to introduce a man who is known in real estate circles as the mad scientist of multifamily. Talk about branding, right? Besides being an entertaining speaker, Neil Bawa is a data guru, a process freak, and an outsourcing expert. He has a $200 million multifamily portfolio, and he treats it as an ongoing experiment in efficiency and optimization. He lives by two mantras. The first, that we can only manage what we can measure. The second is that data beats gut feel by a million miles. These mantras and a dozen other disruptive beliefs Drive profit for his 500-plus investors. Guys, please welcome Neil Bawa. Neil, welcome yes. to the show. Welcome to the I studio. I am jazzed to be on here. Thanks for having me on the Capital Hacking Podcast, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you. We um, we grabbed you last night. We're all sitting there networking. This is the behind-the-scenes, or inside baseball, as Eric calls it. <laughs> now, we're with we're with all these famous speakers that travel the country. And Neil's like, well, I just flew here from Denver. We're in Nashville, Tennessee. But I just flew in from Denver because I was speaking... A yeah. day ago right. in Denver. Well, actually, that was two days ago. So I, I, I'm, I'm, this is my third conference in three days, guys. Ooh. Talk about being a glutton for punishment. <laughs> but, you know, so I, um, the, there was a huge conference in Denver, 550 people. Adam Adams is this insane, you know, kind of, um, yeah, kind of marketer. He's, uh, he's incredible, incredible with, with Facebook, right? Ooh. So has this huge, you know, uh, base. 
And this ca- conference was about, you know, you guys would love to be there because it's about capital raising, right? So everybody right. there is talking that. about capital raising. And, and so I get there and I'm really excited that they picked me as the first capital raising speaker. And then when I, when I get up on space stage, I'm really deflated because they stuck me behind the star lawyer who just threw like the rule book at everybody. So, you know, all, <laughs> oh, that's not I, good. like the whole audience <laughs> is super deflated and I have to, you know, so I spend 10 minutes pumping them up before I get started with the capital raising nuggets. But anyway, that was Denver and that was Friday. And then Saturday I presented at the MFIN conference, which is the multifamily investing conference in Boston nice. uh, at the Weston Copley, which is where Dave Lindahl does all of his events mm. for the last 10 years. And then here. So, yeah. It's, and now, uh, now we're in this. This is a little probably a relaxing. Style. This is relaxing for you. This is a great community of people, yes. bigger pockets people. This this is so exciting. I, I think that one of the, the big questions in our community for the last 10 years is, why the heck doesn't Bigger Pockets do a conference? Right. Like, when are they <laughs> going to figure this out? This is a good thing to do. Right? It is. Well, it's, it, you know, and you might say, well, I know Josh Dorkin a little bit, and I know he was very protective. And we always say, yes, it's a great idea to be protective of your culture. But, boy, it's good for all of us to meet each other. Yes. Because we like what they're doing, and we want to connect with each other and them. Right. Right. I know Justin loves that. I've I've been asking for one since I joined Bigger Pockets like six years ago. I mean, it's, I'm so excited to actually be here doing it, yeah, meeting everyone. It's and they the picked reboot. such a great place, right? This yes. is this is Beautiful. the the best place that they could have picked for their inaugural conference. And where are what do you mean? Get the Grand Old Opry? The, exactly. Yeah, the Gaylord. Opry, the, the Gaylord. I mean, this place is incredible. It's right? actually incredible, guys. It's, it's yeah. historic. And if you want to create an experience for your guests, I mean, what better than than to, to pick? There's a only one better place area. in America, and now mm-hmm. it's just gonna. Where's oh at the Renault Winery in Missouri? <laughs> <Plug>. <laughs> Only had, the Renault Winery could be better. You had to plug it. <laughs> no, we uh, we're really happy to be here. So Neil, they there's a lot of reasons we wanted you to share with our guests. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're ahead of us. You know, a lot of us in the audience here are listening because we have become very good at one element of real estate or just investing. There's people on the show. We've even had entertainment producers on the show talk about how they raise capital for movies and shows yeah so we've we've kind of ranged the gamut and we also i hate to do this but neil is a famous speaker so we're going to share with him all about you guys the community for one minute and ladies gals so this group of capital hacking people we've all come to understand that you need human capital first mm-hmm. and then it, the wor- the more we work on each other and ourselves the more the cash capital will find its way through yep. our business plans yeah and you are a great example of that. I know Eric always says, ask the origin story. Yes, the origin story. So, Neil, what we like to do is usually ask our guests, um, you know, what was that entrepreneurial bug that bit you and, and got you? Was, you know, it's usually that lemonade stand or <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. So what was it for you? Paper oh, yeah. Out. No, no, no lemonade stands here. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not real estate royalty. I haven't flipped a thousand homes. I haven't, you know, done a hundred loans. Nothing like that, right? So I'm, I'm a technologist. I'm a geek. I'm Silicon Valley, big fat W-2 job, you know, living in Taxifornia, paying 53% a year. <laughs> that was my life, Right. And, and things are going along fine. Our, our tech company that I had a share in was growing. And then in 2003, my senior partner, who was the CEO of the company, I was chief operations officer, decided we are not going to rent an office anymore. Neil, you're going to build a campus for us. Mm. And I'm like, I haven't even built a single family home. I don't even have a single family rental. I know exactly nothing about real estate. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's good. That's awesome. I, I just want a blank slate and you'll figure it out. And I'm like, really? You, you want me to buy and build a $5 million campus and figure it out along the way? You see some potential problems here with like, like the ceiling falling in the day that we start? And he's like, no, no, I'm going to give you like a retired GC and I'm, I'm an expert at it myself. And he was. And, you know, we'll help you through it, Right. And and the problem was that our our tenant uh, our landlord was General Motors you know in the Bay Area General Motors had a building and we were in there and they hated us because we were a technology education business so we had students messing up oh. their carpets and we were a terrible tenant and so they they were like okay you have nine months and three days left in your lease we just want to point out that there's a clause in here that says if you go over it's ten thousand dollars a day and we intend to execute that particular clause so you know what's what you know how much Time you have left, and I was, yeah, I was terrified, right? So instead of buying an a ready-made office, my boss basically bought a twenty-seven thousand square foot shell, okay. right? So twenty-two foot high ceilings, no walls in the middle. It's just it's about the size of a, a football, you know, right. you know, pitch. 
And he's like, let's just build all of our classrooms because we're a tech company. And how hard can it be to build these classrooms? Well, it turned out to be much harder than I thought. And so I was in a constant state of terror for the next nine (laughs) months and four days. So we did pay a $10,000 fine one day. day. (laughs) But but, I mean, I I whined and I bitched and I complained through that entire process, right? I just was constantly telling him this is not my job. And once it was done... I've been thanking him ever since because what you learn when you build something like that from scratch is so insane that these the skill level that you gain the way the different ways that you use it is is so absolutely astonishing. I've always been grateful to him for giving me that chance. We call that I mean this is a new little catchphrase we're coming up with it. That's human capital appreciation. You know, it's like appreciating your capital position. You're getting an ROI on all that suffering. Exactly. And what was was funny was that campus was so beautiful and so perfect for our business that it vaulted us into the to the next level. Two years later, every single classroom, there were 27 classrooms in this place all sold out. Wow. Right. We have no place to go. The building behind us is on sale, but it's twice as expensive. It's now nine million bucks. And we're like, well, you know, we we're doing really well, but we don't have nine million bucks. What do we do now? So he says, you know, you've got all these doctor friends, these rich doctor friends here. Let's get them all together and and pitch them this other building. And so we're like – a capital partner. Exactly, like a capital partner, right? But, you know, I, I, the word syndication was not in my dictionary back then. I didn't know what I was doing. But essentially we put together a syndication of a bunch of rich doctors where we said, we're going to buy a 33,000 square foot building and we're going to buy the first 13,000 square feet. And the remaining 20,000, we're going to chop them up into 10 suites of 2,000 each. We will build them for you. And then as our company grows, we will rent them back from you. Right. Okay, and, okay. and I was like, maybe, maybe one doctor out of 10 that I put in this room might actually say yes. Well, by the time we were done, all 10 checkbooks were out. And I'm like, okay, what am I missing here, right? Surely there's – am I really that good a salesperson? The answer was no. Now I know that in typical syndication, you charge a 5% developer fee and okay. then a 30-70 split to give somebody a pitch like that. So the doctors were laughing all the way to the bank. Okay. But I was still happy because I wasn't a syndicator. I wasn't a real estate guy. I didn't care about the fee. I cared about the fact that I ended up with a 33,000 square foot custom campus. So it was still a win-win, though nobody charged a fee. So people sometimes ask me, you know, when did you get into real estate? It's like, well, after my company was sold in 2013. When did you do your first syndication? Well, 2006. So they're like, okay, how does that work? So it's like, well, we ended up doing a syndication not realizing that that's what we were doing. May we ask a question about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the doctor syndication – um, when you went with your pitch, the only part that I'm missing is I know you said you didn't charge a fee and you didn't earn a profit on the work. Right. Did they own the building and you owned nothing? No. So we condominium, condominiumized oh, so you, you the building. Own- so everybody had their own plot, right? And so they owned their piece and they still own it. And even though we sold the business back in 2013, as of 2019, all those doctors are getting rent paid by our company. So it was an incredible deal for them. They got somebody to build a office campus for them and Mm -hmm. rented it back from them in perpetuity without them paying a cent. How about your company, though? Did your company get one of those condos? Well, yeah, the 13,000 square feet was ours, right? So we we had just enough cash to to own the 13,000. Oh, so you actually had to ante up. You didn't even get that for free. No, no. Wow, you're right. This was an incredible deal for the doctors. Remember, like 10 checkbooks out in 60 minutes. And you never had to buy back any of those as you expanded. We didn't have a buyback option in there. The doctors didn't want us to buy anything back. They were like, shit, rich company, man. They're making loads of money. I just want them as my my, my tenant forever. Now, let's let's dissect again so back to those 10 doctors these are you know this is who we work with now not necessarily doctors but people in that situation they they are doctors sometimes who have an, a need for what real estate provides for a portfolio yes so did those doctors they were already enlightened to that 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 it's sometimes it's best to have not everything in the wall street yeah, I think these were savvy guys. They were the sort of doctors that do invest in real estate. And I think that the biggest de- thing that they were interested in was the depreciation benefits. Exactly. Because right? they doctors teach us that. You know, it, basically, tech geeks and doctors are the ones that are really getting killed with taxes, right? I have paid 53.3% of my income in taxes, right? And people are like, no, 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 that's yeah. not even that's possible. It almost Trust seems me. impossible. It's 53.3%. I can do the math and take it all the way to 53.3% because when I realized that, I was like, like, this is insane. 
But as it happens, one of the doctors, you know, things fell through. So I picked up that suite and I bought it. And for the first time in my life, my salary went up and my taxes went down. And that was the big aha moment for me. I was like, okay, I am no longer working for the IRS. This is the first year where my money is actually working for me. Would you right. mind dissecting that? Because, you know, we have people all across the spectrum listening to us. We're like – we always say, we joke that we're bigger pockets of people that are taking the next big step. That's but they're right. still – we're still learning as an audience. So share with us a little more about depreciation because this is a magical thing that pers- a person who's been flipping houses like a bigger pockets fr- fan right. has not heard of this yet. That's right. So depreciation is essentially a way, it's a paper-based way to reduce your taxation where they take the value of the building, right? And they chop it up into bits. And and depending upon what kind of asset it is, they'll chop it up into 27 years or 37 years. And then you can also do with multifamily, especially you can do something known as accelerated depreciation, right? Sometimes it's called cost segregation. Um, And then in the 2017 Jobs Act, they made, well, not the Jobs Act, the the tax reform bill, they made everything simpler because they allowed you to take 100% depreciation on a building in the first year, which is insane. But it, you can – it's still not 100 percent because actually you continue taking depreciation in future years, just not that much, right? So here's a good example of just how much this can mean to people. So I have, I have an Apple engineer. He makes $375,000 a year now, right? So last year I buy a property called Windward Forest and it's $12 million. And we, we do something known as cost segregation bonus yes. depreciation under that 2017 Taxation Act. And so at the end of the year – we, we end up giving $3.5 million worth, worth of paper losses, yes. completely fake paper losses on a property that's cash flowing and giving you know, checks to investors every quarter. We send those checks out to Mr. Apple Engineer. And now that guy was smart enough, by the way, to make his wife a real estate professional, right? So he went through the process where she got her license and she sold some homes. She's probably making like a fraction, a tiny fraction of what he's making. But because she's a real estate professional, he was able to take his portion, right? So it was $3.5 million. He'd invested a hundred grand in the project, and we sent him a negative $106,000. More than 100. More than 100, right? It depends on the property. This was an old 1972 property, so that that level can be significantly higher, right? So it's it's not uncommon. That you will have somebody invest a hundred grand and get more than a hundred thousand dollars in depreciation in year one and knock his salary down by, by basically more than what he just invested. And he's not done because there's still going to be depreciation in year two and year three and year four before we run out of depreciation. Isn't that insane? It's to be insane. able to do that completely legally, not gray shade. Yeah, no, no depreciation tax has been yeah. proven for the last 60, 70 years. Yeah, and, and a person who just heard what you said for the first time is like, what was that? Some kind of loophole? But it's not. It's and, not. And, and I want to hone in on something. You're the only other person. You and I are simpatico on this. You called it fake losses. Now, other I told, we had Tom Wheelwright on the show yeah. last week. And you know Tom from Rich yeah. Dad Advisors. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic. Yeah. Great guy. I've met him a number of times. He's a, he is what I consider my, my favorite presenter on tax savings. Uh, he's a CPA and we all know him a little bit. Um, he said, don't use the word fake, phantom. He goes, call him phantom. But I like fake better because when my family was – when my wife had the epiphany with me about this, she tried to explain it to her family, which was military teachers and educators and stuff. And they were like, what do you mean? You're going to get a check in the mail, which you can put in your bank, call it $40,000 call it a $5,000 dividend this year. Right, right. It goes in your bank account. It's cash. Yes. And then at the end of the year, instead of saying you made 5000 the piece of paper says you lost 106 Correct. That's exactly right, right? And, and as absurd it's an, it's as it sounds brain. – It breaks your brain. As absurd as it sounds, this is a typical scenario, right? So no one on this show is talking about that one in 100 property. We're talking about – all 100 properties having pretty much the same scenario, yes. right? That 106 might end up being 90K in some cases, but it's not going to be 50. It's- well, I'm surprised you – I mean, I think um, the only thing I um, uh, would love to ask you is I thought over 100% of what you invest would be a pretty magical project. It's going to be some significant portion yes. in bonus depreciation. But yes. It's, we don't it's, want to give everybody it's usually the right around 90 to 100% of what wow. you invest when you're doing the, 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 uh, the doing this. But again, old properties, you can do stuff, wow. right? But some of the stuff that they do they, when they're doing depreciation, just think about what they're doing, right? So we, 
we hire a company and they charge five to 10 grand. They're called a cost segregation company. What they're doing is they're accelerating the depreciation, right? So what these guys come in and do is they come into the property and they look at it and say, that computer can't possibly last 27.5 years. It's only got two years of value. And then that boiler over there clearly only has six months of life left. So I'm going to depreciate it all this year, blah, blah, blah. And they go through this process. But here's the funny thing. At the end of the time, when that computer is fully depreciated, right, because its value is now down to zero, that depreciation is not going to get recaptured because it has a value of zero. But it's still working. Oh, I love you, It's still working at the property, right? It's just, oh, my God. When I figured this out, I was like, there, there are, there's two classes of people in America, right? The people that take benefit you know, these depreciation benefits and grow their wealth and the people that don't. We are a divided class society. Eric, Eric, I wouldn't mind when you share your story about the rich dad, poor dad epiphanies, because what you just described is what a lot of people started to get their head around with the four quadrants of income from rich dad, poor dad. Remember that book? Yes, absolutely. When you move from being an employee, which is where the government theoretically needs to earn its tax, Mm -hmm. but they need a lot of employees. Right. So they let... Those who build or build companies pay less tax. Now, let's back up since you're such a great teacher, and I know you own multifamily university, and we're going to get into that. You are a phenomenal teacher. It's been really good to sit with you. Thank you. Tell us why you think the government lets us who develop or build or invest save on taxes. What's the logic in your opinion? I think there's a good logic there. In my mind, you know, I when I started out, I used to think, you know, this is all basically real estate guys are really rich and they've got their own, you know, kind of um, uh, you know, lobbying groups and they That's basically, right. you know, de- put depreciation in. No, there have been a lot of administrations that didn't like real estate people and they've let these benefits be. The, the key thing is that what drives America – right, in so many different ways, is the development of capital through real estate. Trillions of dollars are being developed. That capital gets used. Once you make, you know, this hotel, for example, Gaylord, right, there's got to be three, 4,000 people working at this Correct. hugely insane place. The, the key is that the government basically almost in a way subsidizes some of the real estate taxation to allow for places this massive to be built because I don't think the Gaylord would have ever been built if those tax benefits did not exist. Right. Because there's a risk that you take when you build a building like this, right? Could get stuck, could take 10 years instead of two. All kinds of bad things could happen. And that incentive to real estate investors of, oh, I'm still getting depreciation even if I'm not getting cash flow yet, is really what allowed us to get over the hump and build buildings like the Empire State Building. Projects like that would not get built if that incentive didn't exist. So in the end, it it was one of the best decisions that they could have ever made. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Melanie McCallan. Josh and I are just so grateful for the many investors who have already joined us at Accountable Equity. Accountable Equity is so much more than a capital group. It's really a community of accredited investors that want to learn and grow together. I just want to personally invite you, if you want to find out more about this type of investment and see if it's right for you and your family, please visit us at accountableequity.com. Uh, you say you, you are you are the multifamily university. You are definitely a great yeah. teacher, brother. Thank you. Thank you. We um, we we go ahead, Justin. Uh, I know you're dying to get in there. <laughs> I, got, I got questions. Um, uh, I, I actually want to continue from your origin story. You you were talking about um, doing real estate development at, during your full time job, uh, and you mentioned your first deal was in 2013. Uh, yeah, yeah, around that time. Period. So is that when you left? Your, your day job. Can you just so, talk us through that process and, and get us to, to where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to actually go back just a teeny bit sure. before that. Right. So obviously 2006, 2007, I'm watching this building and watching my taxes go down. So I'm bitten by the real estate bug, but I'm still running a technology company. And I know, I know I have a huge payday coming at some point in the future. I don't know what it was. It ended up being 2013, but I know that the company is profitable and head, heading towards an exit. So I don't want to leave. But I, I want to grab hold of these tax benefits, right? So in 2008, great timing, right? Everyone else is thinking the sky is falling. This is the worst time to buy real estate. My family's telling me, why are you doing real estate? Real estate is the worst thing in the world at this point. And I'm, I'm a data scientist. I'm a math geek. And I'm looking at the mathematics. And it's like, to me, it seems like that this is the best time to invest in real estate, right? So it, 
if I have a W-2 income that's provable and everything that I buy is cash flowing like crazy on day one, then why do I matter if its value goes down further? The cash flow is still there. Ooh. The dollars are still there. So my, you know, and, and the, the other thing that I was looking for at is every time I would go and look at real estate I, and I would read books, there would be this statement stuck with me. I don't know what book it came from, but it was really well written. What they said is real estate is one of those asset classes that when it goes up, when a bubble builds, it goes way beyond where it should, right? The bubble always extends way beyond. But here's the, the important thing to remember that when real estate crashes, it goes down way below where it should. So it got, goes down below cost of construction. So I started researching cost of construction. And I realized that all these homes that they built in 2006 were now selling at one half of their cost oh of construction. And I, in my mind, I said, there's no way to lose when you buy something at one half the cost of construction because at some time... At some point in the future, that has to correct. And you have to, again, start going above the cost of construction. So I go, I, I go to a Zillow, which is, a, you know, back then a very small website, and like 10 people know Zillow back then. And they published a list of all 2,000 cities in the U.S., and their, their drop from peak in 2005 or 2006. So they published, a, 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 you know, that, that data. But the problem is that data is on every single page, not on, you know, one page. It's, it's on, like, 2,000 pages. So I go and hire a Ukrainian hacker, and I say, basically, spider the Zillow website without crashing it. Go through every single page and grab this information, stick it in Excel. And I'm like, you know, it's probably going to take him 30 days to do that. And he basically sends me an email the next day with an Excel spreadsheet. And then I realize, wow, the power <laughs> technology is insane, right? Because he did it all overnight, right? Oh, my yeah, so, gosh. You- so he sends me this Excel spreadsheet, which is the entire Zillow website scraped, right? And then I get to click on the sort button. And I figure out which city in America has had the largest crash. And as it happens, it was in California. And I live in California, right? So it was Madeira, California, 20 miles north of Fresno. A you know, company called Kaufman & Broad basically built 6,000 homes there and be- had farm workers signing loans saying that their incomes were hundreds of thousands of dollars, stated income, right? So by 2008, all the farm workers left. So their entire half of the city was empty with beautiful you know, stone front, four front, you know, four bedroom model homes. And I look at that and I go, I'm buying these, right? So I go there, I buy 10 of these homes because that's the maximum you can buy in a single family site. So I buy 10 and I'm buying them at 90 grand each. And now I think they're about 260 each. And so I buy 10 for 900 and the banks like me because I'm like, here's my cash, right? You know, we'll talk about loans. They're all refinanced, but the banks are like, oh yeah, yeah, 90K, just take them off our hands. We got so many of these, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it was a a crazy time. I couldn't believe what people were saying. And at the same time, my family is telling me, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, right? Every day they're saying that. I'm like, no, 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 listen, the math. And they're like, you're an idiot. Nobody's looking at the mathematics of this. And I'm like, the math is insanely good, guys. The stuff that you're investing is not even 5% as good as this mathematics. Nobody's listening to me. So I go buy 10 of those and immediately come up with a problem, right? Tenants. At that point in time, Fresno was 20 miles away. So I realized I have to somehow convince the Fresno people to come to these beautiful homes in Madeira, which is only 20 minutes away. And so I buy a home in Fresno as my cedar home. So I go stick that home on 29 different websites. I start getting a bunch of leads for that particular home. I don't lease it out. I tell people, here's this home in Fresno. It's three bed, two bath for $1,350. Or here's 10 homes, beautiful website, 20 minutes away for $9.95 each. Look at how gorgeous these homes are. One fills up, two fill up, three fill up. Before I know it, all 10 of my homes are filled up. I'm making $10,000 in cash. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to dissect that. Yeah. That was the because ultimate capital hack. Oh, my God. So you're saying wow. you found something that looked like one of your Fresno houses, but it was in, I'm sorry, one of your Close. Madeiras. It wasn't even, no, it was worse. It was mm. older. So this is a oh, 1994 uglier. property in a not so good part of Fresno. And I'm basically promoting the heck out of it on every engine, right? So I go back to the Ukrainian and he basically finds me a list of every single apartment listing website and writes a spider in a language called now now called python it used to be called something else back then basically which pushes my listings there and refreshes them every hour on the hour right and so now i'm getting 20 times as many leads as anybody else and all those leads are for one okay. single property you you oh, wow. built a system 
that you could sell for a, bil- a million dollars. Yeah. That, that one system you probably yeah. could have sold, but you used well, it to rent houses. I, I, I now use you. it. I have a team of 10 full-time people in the Philippines now using it to rent out 2,000 properties. So this year we are going to process 36,000 tenant leads using that system. So I never sold it. I never sold it because it's a $200 million portfolio. The system only works if not everyone knows about it. I love you. Right? So, I yeah, I've never sold it. I've never given it away. So at this point, right, I have this one home that everybody in Fresno wants because, you know, it's on 59, 39 different websites. I'm getting huge numbers of leads. I'm just redirecting everybody to 20 miles away. And so all of my properties fill up. Before you know it, I'm making crazy amounts of money. And then my family is like, maybe we should go buy in, in Madeira. <laughs> wow. That's, That's great. Amazing. That's yeah. Such a good tactic. What, like, to, to attract people from the other town over, send them your way. Right after this, are you going to give the top secret you've ever done in your life of real estate? Stay tuned right after this break. Are you ready to invest in real estate but don't have the time or enough education to do it by yourself? Accountable Equity helps accredited investors who are looking for tax-advantaged investments. So anyone looking for a team of professionals who hold themselves accountable with theirs and your real estate investments, Accountable Equity is your boots-on-the-ground team. Their mission is to bring private offerings to their investors and their clients. With a team of committed and experienced investors themselves, Accountable Equity is always looking for partners to participate in alternative investments which extend beyond publicly traded equities like stocks. Accountable Equity makes alternative passive cash flow possible for more people than ever before in our economy. To find out more, visit AccountableEquity.com. That's AccountableEquity.com. Or look for them on LinkedIn or Facebook. That's AccountableEquity.com or Accountable Equity. That's Accountable Equity, your partner for true, passive real estate investments. Guys, this is Josh here. Melanie and I have something important to share. A little while ago, we learned a big life-changing truth. And that is that you need to have control over your own capital. It was actually the Cashflow Ninja, MC Lauscher, who showed us, our own family, how to set up our own banking system. I know, it's hard to understand. So what MC did is he put together a webinar that will change your life like it changed Melanie and mine. So through the infinite banking system, you can create and control your own banking system to leverage your own capital to grow your own business, supercharge your investments. In this free webinar, MC will share how to set up your own banking system. The website is incredibly easy. It's yourownbankingsystem.com. Yourownbankingsystem.com. Hi, I'm Tim Rode, founder of OneLifeFullyLive.org, and you're listening to Capital Hacking. We're back to Capital Hacking. Yes, Neil. Thanks again for coming to our makeshift studio makeshift. here. This is Capital Hacking. This is, it's a beautiful it place. Looks great. It's a beautiful place. But we wanted to get more into your where you are now, what you're striving for, what's your future like in the next few years. What uh, what are you building? And let's talk about your company. So I read this book. I think it was in 2011 or 20, 2012. And and I don't remember the book, but sometimes you know you read a, a book and you get energized and something sticks with you, right? So the book said. Capital raising is the alpha skill of the world. Whoa. And then the, then, then the book went on to say, this has nothing to do with real estate because it was a real estate book. They said, there's no skill greater in life than capital raising. No other skill compares because the way you can leverage your time as a capital raiser is insanity compared to anything else. What they said is, once you become a super capital raiser, and you know I'm, I'm on my way there, but I'm not, I haven't raised a billion bucks yet, basically said capital raisers get paid better than rock stars. A rock star can fill Wembley Stadium with 75,000 people and not get paid as well as a, as a capital raiser for their time. Capital raising is the alpha skill of the world. That really stuck with me. Uh, and I was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a dork. I'm a programmer. I'm somebody that basically is in technology how do I become a capital raiser, right? And so the first thing I realized was human capital. I've got to improve myself. I've got to stop talking like the dorks and start oh, talking. Yeah, you're you know, right. I've, I've got to basically For change. For a consumer. And, and I, so I started taking, you know, speaking, speaking courses and those sorts of things. And I, every opportunity, I wanted to get out there in front of people to improve myself. And so this is 2011. Remember that beautiful campus that I built? Oh, yes. Right? It had 27 classrooms, right? Exactly. And meetup groups love large classrooms with internet access and projectors and whiteboards. So I opened a meetup group inside of my technology business. 
2011. Wow. Right? That's capital hacking right there. And 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 I'm like, Layers you know what? I need to be in front of people. I need to learn all this stuff. I can't be the shy programmer hiding in the cubicle anymore. And I go out there and start teaching some of the techniques that I was learning from the Ukrainian hacker who helped me with the Madeira thing. Okay, and that's I, your secret from back from the break. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to give you more secrets, but but honest, honestly, a, a lot of it is tied back to either programming and and doing, you know. Uh, offshoring, I have this huge team in the Philippines, right? Wow. People are like, oh my God, you're a real estate guy. Why do you have a huge team in the Philippines? The answer is, once again, just like capital raising is the alpha skill of the world, I believe that outsourcing is a key skill regardless of what you're doing in life. It doesn't really matter whether you're in real estate or you're in software. The tech guys know this well. There isn't a technology company in America today not using outsourcing and technology together. I'm using outsourcing and technology together to the point where here's what I tell people. I'm running a technology and outsourcing company that's successfully masquerading as a commercial real estate company. Successfully masquerading. I love you. This is really rock star style. This is a teaching. Yeah. So during the break, teaching. you mentioned a number about how much money you're raising right now. How, can you talk us about what you're raising for, how you raise it? Talk us through the process. Yeah. So, so that's, a, that's a good kind of you know, segue to capital raising, right? So in our current run rate, right? Run rate, as you look back at the last four months or six months, is about $40 million a year. So we definitely raise three, four, three to $4 million a month. And we'd raise a lot more if we had projects. So the last four projects that we've done have lasted four days. And in every case, $5 million was raised. In one case, $21 million came in from one webinar, right? And people are like, you must have some sugar daddy investors giving you millions of dollars. The answer is no. That entire 15 million, there wasn't one $500,000 in it. It was all high volume, high touch capital raising over 100 investors invested in that $15 million. So we, we like mm-hmm. high-touch raising. We do not like family offices. We do not like institutionals. We don't have a bunch of ultra-high net worth investors. We raise money one investor which at is, a time. Which is so revolutionary to be able to reach scale of numbers mm-hmm. and keep it a retail model. Yes. And you, know, you and I chatted about this whole retail versus going institutional. Yes, now, my wife's favorite part about retail investing is that the families you and I are approaching, which are the doctors, the mm-hmm. business owners, they have assets, mm-hmm. but they're not able to jump all the way up to the world of creating their own deals like a family office. Right. So they don't have access to the deals you create yep. unless you provide those deals. So you're providing a valuable service to that whole group of, of, of normal, hardworking families. We are. And what they love about us is the mad scientist formula. Every day on the web, we're posting videos about our experiments, all of the things that we're doing. We just posted a video experiment that Justin watched about a two-day huddle where we brought in every single operating partner and we talked about asset management, right? So investors are not dumb. They understand that buying buildings doesn't make them money. They know that those buildings have to be managed today to the nth degree, to double their money in five years or four years oh, or whatever exactly. it is that we're trying to do because it's an expensive market. And so we 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 do an at a two-day asset management summit, which obviously is where the value is. And 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 but the key thing is this: I've got my capital raising hat on all the time. So I create a one-minute video of that two-day capital raising yeah, summit. So and I put that on Facebook, right? And on all of my channels, we are extremely multi-channel, right? So we can't say we use all um, you know, social outlets, but the ones that we do use, we use to the maximum ability of those outlets. And I can give you tips on how LinkedIn can be maximized and Facebook, you, why right? Why do we do that? Do yeah. you to, like a, a quick little trip down memory? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There, there's so much talk now with, with concern around how much do I put on social media and can I, can I advertise my deal and, and what, you know, the real estate investor sort of towing a line between sharing too much and sharing too little to share enough to get people interested. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, that was a very painful decision. We made a decision last year. We said either we can choose to do 506B deals, which means we can take non-accredited investors and stick up to 35 of them in our deals, um, or we can walk away from that completely and do 506C deals. In our world, in the syndication world, 93% of all deals are 506B. And I can tell the people that are listening to this podcast, 
that that 93%, there's, there's a few good reasons to be doing 506B. But for the most part, the people that are doing those deals are doing them because they're afraid they cannot find enough accredited investors. My data, my research suggests overwhelmingly that when you switch away from 506B to 506C, if your network, your approach, your multi-channel push is high enough, you get 20 or 30 new accredited investors from every push. And those investors give you a lot more money. So I had to walk away from the world of non-accredited investors to the world of accredited investors. And, I, and I've never regretted that decision because every single raise that I do, I actually end up getting 30 to 50 new people because our push is so multi-channel. It's so out there. And, you know, projects get sold out in a day. So... And, and I feel bad about the 700 non-accredited investors that I have in my database that might never see a deal. But my job is to grow the velocity of my company and, and being able to grow that through accredited investors is the way to go. So we, the short answer is I'm not worried about what's out there because I'm only doing accredited which, only deals. Which, I, I have a question though, uh, transitioning from, especially you know from us in this room, uh, and, and some of our listeners, 506B to 506C, do you think that's a necessary step that needs to be taken or can somebody leap directly to a 506C investment? I think it's a mental thing. Uh, I also think that when you're building your database, you want to just take every investor that comes at you and the the allure of, hey, I'm talking with you and you're not accredited. I don't want to stop talking with you. That that allure is too strong. So I'd say, yeah, fine, go go do a 506B. What I think is that I still see invest uh, um, syndicators that are on their fifth project doing 506B. Well, that's wrong. That's just a confidence issue. By now, you've got a track record, a database, you've got social channels running and you should be able to switch. You absolutely should be switching beyond your second or third deal to 506C because that's when you come to my my method of marketing, which is extreme multi-channel marketing, totally brand-based. I never sell a project. I've never had to sell a project because we're always selling our brand. And we've built it out so many different ways. And I can give you the list of channels. I mean, it is massive. When did you come to that realization? Well, I started reading uh, books like, you know, the, like Ryan Deese's books about, you know, the, basically the, the uh, marketing machine, the ultimate marketing machine and books like that. And I realized that investors first have to believe in you, have to like you, have to identify with you. And then the process of investing $100,000, that decision is actually a very short, very quick decision, right? right? It's the process of, do I like and believe this guy, Neil Bawa? That's long. And and so what I realized is that multi-channel marketing was giving people many, 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 many times where they could say, yes, I like him. Once their mind shift happens, where they're like, I think this guy is good, the next project, I mean, they're, they're ready. Whenever their cash is ready, they're ready. So we never push a deal. We're always basically selling the brand. Right. I mean, that's, um, you know, Eric, of course, is a genius at branding. He's been doing it for the big corporate pharmas for giving away all your great secrets and gifts for 30 years, 20 years. And now you do it for us investors and podcasters. By the way, I got to give this guy a plug. Similar to you, yeah. he's created a whole channel called On Air Brands Network, which uh-huh. is what our podcast is part of. And Podmax, and this is the kind of guy, Eric, who would have gotten Podmax from the beginning. Yeah. And Podmax is similar to how you do multifamily. You, it's education based. I mean, for for Eric, he runs this organization called Podmax, where people come who have brands, mm-hmm. but have to create exposure. Right. So they pay a fee to get into a, a big room of wonderful podcasters. Yep. And be the entrepreneur interviewed. Yep. It's kind of like a, an expo of podcasting. Yeah. yeah. It's very it's genius. Machine. It makes it makes so much sense. And yeah. I mean, you're you're benefiting from their halo. They're benefiting from yours. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. that's an abundant mindset, and that's why. By the way, before you leave, you got to get in front of our yeah, beautiful I, screen I, I've been here. Looking at that, saying, "Wow, this is really well branded in this room." This Podmax thing. <laughs> well, this Podmax is you know, Capital Hacking is a proud partner of Podmax, but Podmax is going to take over the world because well, it's such an efficient well, way we, to help exactly, people. Exactly. Thank you. It's very efficient. It's a machine. You come in, 
you're you're refreshed. You have the experience, and you come out feeling like, wow. Haven't I met you guys before? Where have you been (laughs) all my life? We're East Coasters. You're West Coast, right? That's right. Yes, but we're coming. We're going to bring Podmex California. We got to work with you on that. You welcome. Absolutely, we have a huge database in 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 California. Uh, I think we 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 travel, as you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We We call it an X Studio. (laughs) We'll do Podmax X on the road. Yes. Anyway, Neil. There's like another half a day's worth of content. Would you mind being a regular on the show? We'll grab you another time. I would love to be on the show. And I, I want to talk talk about like the deep strategies in every area. It's but, so rich. But I want to, you know, I'm on a capital raising podcast. I want to give one quick nugget well, to people. Well, there you right? go. You, so the floor LinkedIn, is yours. right? People say LinkedIn's much more difficult to monetize than Facebook. And, you, you know, you have trouble with interaction, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But first, you got to find people, right? So... Here's a simple tip that anyone listening to this show can use immediately, all right? And you have to follow the steps exactly because it will not work if you don't follow them exactly. So go get a LinkedIn account and make sure your profile's good, put nice pictures in there. Make sure, you know, that there's all these nice YouTube videos on how to build a beautiful LinkedIn profile. Do that, okay? And get a few hundred people in there. So, you know, just, just to get you going. Then what you can do is go to the internet and type in accredited investor lists or accredited investor databases, right? And you'll find a whole bunch of companies, all of them somewhat shady, that are basically selling (laughs) accredited investor lists. And go bargain with them and make sure that they're not giving you junk and they'd replace all the, the ones that are bad, yada, yada, yada. But for a few thousand dollars, you can buy a list of 10,000 accredited investors that are local to you, right? I don't, th- I don't know if there's 10,000 in the list in Nashville, but there's definitely 10,000 in the list in the San Francisco Bay Area. You can get 20,000 in the list, right? So now all of these people are accredited investors and probably 60% of the email addresses and the phone numbers in the list are bad, but that's okay. So you still have 4,000, which is still an insane number, right? Now, how do you get these 4,000 people to connect with you on LinkedIn because that's a nurturing mechanism. It's a social media mechanism, right? Well, here's the answer. So you take the, so he gives you an Excel spreadsheet. Now you take the Excel spreadsheet and you open a new Gmail account, not your Gmail account, a new one. So you open a fresh Gmail account for free and then you go there and Gmail allows you to import contact records into your your contacts, right? So you take the list and stick those people in there. And then an hour later, boom, you see 4,000 or 10,000, however many people you have in your Gmail account. Now log into your LinkedIn account and go to the add contact section. And there's a button that they've managed to hide there. I mean, LinkedIn, please wake up and move the button to the top of the goddamn page. It's called Contact Sync. And when you click on it, it gives you an option to log into your Gmail account. Now make sure you're logged into this new Gmail account, not your regular Gmail account, right? Because otherwise it's not going to find those contacts. Right. So the only way to get thousands and thousands, thousands of people instantly into Gmail is to click on that button, log into that Gmail account. And now Gmail on its own, but now, you know, what what will happen is LinkedIn will say, oh, would you like to send an invite to 7,000 people at the same time? LinkedIn would never let you do that. Even if you buy a paid account, they would never let you send an invite to more than 20 or 30 people because that's considered spam. Except in this case, they think that those people are in your Gmail list. Mm, wow. And now it, with one link, click, you are that's sending incredible. an invite to five or 10,000 accredited investors. Jeez. That is an ultimate capital hack. It's insane. Works all the time. May I, may I throw it's one more beautiful. hack on top of that? Yeah, go for it. Change your profile to match that list. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Lovely. your profile, you know, you have that entry. Uh, my name is Josh McCown and this yeah. is what I do. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to change that every day. Yes. So the week or the two weeks or the three weeks you're going to be going through the sync, change it to a tailored description of what that market needs to hear mm-hmm. and put some videos in your profile because these mm-hmm. people are like who the heck is this guy yeah and people tend to click on videos because it, we're, we're kind of a you know add culture now so you got to have some one minute video snippets on your profile that mm-hmm. basically explains you what you do in the article section or in the where would you put i, them? I stick him on right every on section that i can Right. So the feed, obviously, but they may not get to the feed because they're still looking on your main profile page. Right. Mm-hmm. And on the main profile page, you can stick videos in the article section. Right. Right. So because because I'm afraid they're not going to get to my feed. Right. I agree. So so everywhere that I can. Yes. Yeah, that's genius, brother. Wow. See what I'm saying? 
Yeah. We gotta have Neil back. Love it. Yeah. Join yeah. the regular we'll the surface. I'll give you a dozen of these for a dozen different channels. Well, that's why you had to stay through great. the uh, the commercial break. Exactly. Remember? Thank yes. you, Justin, for that yeah, teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The excellent <laughs> intro, the lead-in. No problem. Uh, Neil, it's been awesome having you here. So wait, Appreciate so how can people reach you? What's the best places to? So to search? one of the things that I found was people like value, and they care about value more than anything else. They and brand is tied to value. So we built a independent portal. Kind of like bigger pockets, but more specific to multifamily. And it's called multifamilyu.com. It's multifamily university, multifamilyu.com for the letter U. And we started to invite invite people in that we knew were not like pitch fest people, right? So we were very, very nitpicky about that. And very often we'll reach their pitch deck and say, your pitch is too long. You got to shorten it to 30 seconds and and you got to add more content. So it's deep dive webinars. So you go to multifamilyu.com, you'll see a bunch of things. Number one, you'll get a link to a Udemy course where in 90 minutes for free, I'm teaching you how to pick the best cities and neighborhoods in the US for real estate investing. The course is very numbers driven. Do step A at this website, pick this number, plug it into the spreadsheet, go to website B. This is the jobs website, do this. Population website, do this. Home price growth, do this. Go to all these websites, plug in these numbers, look at look, look to see if the numbers are green or red, pick your favorite cities that way. So you get access to that course for free. Second, you get access to about 50 deep dive webinars from superstars in our industry. Everybody from real estate forecasters to lawyers, syndicators, uh, people that raise huge amounts of capital. All of those webinars are there. And then we've got live webinars running every single week. So every week there's a new webinar there. And then we've got resources. We've got a real estate toolkit that gives you mind-blowing amounts of information. And people are like, why do you give this stuff away for free, Neil? The answer is brand, right? To me, charging $100 for that was not the goal. The goal was I wanted 2,000 accredited investors. So we've been giving everything away for free to build our database. And it's worked beautifully for us. So multifamilyu.com is the best way to connect with me. My email address is neil, N-E-A-L, the Irish spelling, at multifamilyu.com. I knew that was an Irish brogue. Yeah, there you, you go. It, it was in there somewhere. Yes. In Indian-Irish mix, you know. The, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what part it is. I love so. it. Neil, it's a pleasure to know you, brother. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Wow. Wow. You made it, everybody. Thank you so much, Eric and I. have always said that the people who join us at the end get the pearl and the prize. Awesome. Folks, don't forget to like and share and love what we're doing on social media. If you want to hit up Josh, you want to hit me up. Those are the best places to find us. We are always camped out and ready to talk and <laughs> put we the fire on. We stand by on social media. But By the way, I know we're on Capital Hacking at Instagram, Capital Hacking on Facebook, and Capital Hacking on my personal favorite, LinkedIn. Yes, because you can always find major players on LinkedIn. I know your favorite. These are some power players on LinkedIn. Then always. Gary V, he's Gary. my boy. <laughs> but uh, Gary V also talks about the power of Instagram. So if you also want to find us there, we're doing a lot of really cool, sexy things on Instagram. So always <laughs> you can reach out and DM us on Instagram if you have any questions or you want our time. We are always camped out and, and, and living there as well. We will get right back to you. And just like we always say, you are now part of the team. This is a team that's here to add value to your life. And thank you for adding so much value to our life. Remember to share this podcast helps us grow it bigger and bigger each week. And we appreciate you posting a review on iTunes. You cannot believe how powerful that is. Absolutely. Like and share this with anyone and everyone that you think it will add value to. And we appreciate all of that love and support. And do not forget, with great power comes great great responsibility. responsibility. Woo!